Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly, the podcast. My name is Ho- my name is host. No, it's not. My name is Chris, and I am your host. Let's try that again. Uh, I've got Jez and Phil with me this week. Good evening to you both. Good evening. We Hi. cannot edit, so no, just, that's fine. We'll, just, we'll leave it in. Right, you know, you won't air this. Uh, yes, we are the podcast that absolutely loves a delicious folly, much like Mathieu. Catharo. More on that in a moment, but uh, we've got plenty of action to get through this week. We've got at home and abroad. We've got cup games to preview. We've got Twitter mentalness. We've got all sorts going on. It's all. We shall dive straight in at the deep end. Just before we do, I would just like to thank uh, Phil for holding the fort last week uh, with John. Did an excellent job on the Coupe de France. Uh, Jez and I um, had sort of life issues in the way last week, and we thought rather than going silent on you, we'll put out a pod with uh, people who, who managed to see the Coupe de France. Obviously, where Phil and John are, they actually get the games a little bit more accessibly than, than I or Jez does. So um, our, our our slight problem was that I think we both teed up Monaco versus Lille as a cracking game to watch yes uh, more on that later yes indeed yeah <clears throat> okay right well let's uh let's dive in then um what we're going to do to start with this part is we're kind of going to rewind uh sort of pre league weekend first of all and uh, have a little look at back at the european game i don't want to go too in depth on this one because it, it does sort of feel like a long time ago now uh, but, uh, Jez, let me come to you first of all. PSG, obviously, will come on to the league uh, weekend in a moment. But casting our minds back to the Barcelona tie, they're through. Um, but my word, they made hard work of that, didn't they? they? They really, I mean, you wouldn't have been surprised if Barcelona had gone in three or four nil up at half time. And but for a Kalo Navas uh, masterclass and uh, obviously that penalty save, amongst other things, and uh, really, that Mbappe goal was kind of key as well. It ended in a 1-1 draw. They do go through, but they're going to have to lift their game big time, albeit going into the second leg, they probably knew they were through. But was there any concerns for you, or, or do you just put it down to the fact that they kind of were coasting with that first leg lead going into the second game? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think it's one of those ones that they didn't really know whether to just sit back and defend and in the likelihood that Barcelona wouldn't have enough to to score the, all the goals they needed to score or whether to try to sort of play their, play their normal game and they were stuck a little bit between the two. But also at the same time, you know, especially in the context of, of what's happened since then in Ligue 1, for example... Um, I think maybe there are some issues within the team as well. And um, we'll come to last night's match against Nantes, but on, you know, there, there was lots of stuff in the commentary about how, you know, this is, this is an accident, this is a freak result. And I did see a, a PSG fan tweet, well, on the basis of, of recent form, I think that Barcelona first leg was actually the, the freak result. Um, and... You know, I think probably overall they were so good in that first leg that they they were the. It was fair to say that they were the better team over the two legs, but obviously it's all sort of ifs and buts. But if Messi had put away that penalty, and they Barcelona had gone in at two one up at half time, which was the least that they deserved on on the balance of play. Um, 
you really could have seen PSG capitulating again. Um, so it wasn't great, but then you could say, well, they, you know, they did the real business in the first leg so that they deserve to go through on the back of that. But they certainly need to maintain form across two legs as they go further in the comp. Well, in order to go further in the competition, I guess. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as to Navas, I mean, I, I've always said I thought Ariola was pretty badly treated by PSG and taken for granted. But, you know, Navas really has shown, actually often in Ligat as well, um, but, but certainly in that match, just how important it is to have, uh, a, a, you know, really top quality um, goalkeeper who can make the difference. And um, again, during, that, during and after that match, I saw a lot on Twitter of people saying, you know, forget Ibrahimovic, forget... Um, whoever else, Pastore, Cavani, all that. Um, the best PSG signing of the QSI era is is Navas, and, and you, you can make a very good case for that to be the case. Yeah, I, I, I can't look beyond him. I think he's, I think he's a quality goalkeeper. I think. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, um, I can't find the tweet now, but someone was saying to us both, uh, Jez, after the fact that. PSG played it as they planned it, you know, sat back, soaked it up, whatever. And I'm going, I'm thinking, if if you need your goalkeeper to put in a man-of-the-match performance that gets you a nine in L'Equipe, which rarely happens, then that's not a plan. That's a, a risk. Preparation, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've got a... Part of, part of what this shows, I think, is that it was much better than Barca, and it kind of shows how badly Kerman set up to play the first leg. Mm. You know, I, Navas, I Navas had to save uh, PSG. There was ludicrous stats, and um, you know, nine saves, and all of everything he had to do was if Barcelona had done that at home. Yeah, what conversation would we be having? And it makes that initial decision by him just much even more bewildering really um shout out to dembele for horrific finishing yeah oh, i that did that yeah, also helped yeah. i did see you, you was poor as well. I, I i think yeah i think there's a bigger question to ask of psg which i'll uh I'll keep in my back pocket for when we go on to, to the league game uh-huh. in a moment. But uh, yeah, they are through and um, and that's the most important thing, of course. And they await the draw, which I think happens late. No, hang on. No, yeah, it is, it is a draw, isn't it? It's Europa League that's mapped out. So yeah, we await the draw for the next stage after this week's games are uh, finalised. So we shall probably know that by next week, I think, anyway. So we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on no that. No doubt Liverpool will get Porto, so... Yes, of course. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty much sure PSG will get uh, one of the one of the tough ties. But you know, we'll see. I don't know. It sounds like Porto might be a tough. Dash. Yeah. Well, if 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 uh, the world's greatest <laughs> defender in Pepe plays again, then yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was magnificent last week. But that, there you go. That's that's for another podcast. Um, just to put you into the picture of a game that we're not going to go into huge detail, but we are we are going to have a little bit of a, a nudge towards Marseille, but. Um, they did beat Ren 1-0 last week in a midweek game. They had to catch up 
um, which was on the Wednesday, Mikael Cuisson scoring an 88th minute winner at home to uh, to Rennes. So that was a good win for Marseille, but we'll we'll come back to them in a minute as we enter the weekend's Liga action. Uh, Jez, it got off to an interesting start Friday night. I mentioned it in the intro there, but uh, Mathieu Caffaro um, scoring probably the goal of the weekend and an absolute rocket. It's one of those that you, you catch sort of one time out of 50. Obviously, he didn't say mess, see Messi's second goal, then. Um, I, well, I, um, <laughs> yeah, you got, all right, you've got a point. I still think Caparose is better, but I, I can sort of, yeah, all right, fair enough. I'll give you that one. But um, yeah, Caparose... Well, another fullback playing on the wrong side of the pitch. Don't, 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 make, don't make me take you down here. Come on. <laughs> I, can't give you, I can't give you all. You've had a bright win. personal, guys. This is getting <laughs> personal. <laughs> but um, Kevro's strike was fantastic. It's one of those that, that it, you know, goes over the stand nine times out of ten, but he caught it sweet as a nut. And uh, it took to the 92nd minute for, for Leon to, to grab the equaliser. They've been... I, I wouldn't say poor, but they weren't themselves. There was, a, there was definitely a lack of... Of impetus, lack of drive, they couldn't get to pie on the ball. It was it was a very kind of uh, lackluster performance. Tino Cadawere scoring a pretty pretty decent header. It has to be said to grab themselves a point. Where do you sit? Obviously, we know the other results now will come on to, but where did you sit at the time, Jess? Did you see this as two points dropped for for Leon? Yeah, it is. I mean, I think Rans have had their their ups and downs this season, but they are still a very good team and very hard to break down, I think. And you'd expect them to sort of raise their game for this. And um, I, I definitely two points dropped, although at the end of it, obviously, the, the, the way they got that point, you kind of think, well, they sort of got out of jail and, and at least they, they're sort of staying in touch with the leaders. Obviously, the, the way the weekend panned out actually worked out reasonably well. But, um, you know... Lille have won seven away matches in a row and and you need these are the kind of matches that if you're really aspiring to to win the title you need to be somehow eking out wins not draws and and Lyon have done that at times because probably they've been well along with PSG they've not really a lot of the time been playing particularly well as a team and have been relying on um, an individual piece of brilliance here and there to, to get them points, whether it's one or three. So it's not that surprising that they didn't get it all together because I think they don't more often than they do. Um, I think it's positive that, again, someone stepped up. So whereas in recent weeks, people like Depay or Paqueta or even Toko Kambi maybe have done, um, this week, Caduero has actually been on quite poor form Um the last few weeks, he's the one who stepped up with the big goal. So they're, they're still showing that they've got a lot of players who are capable to, of, of coming up with that little piece of, of magic or whatever whatever it takes to, to, to secure a point. But you want a little bit more sort of cohesion between the whole team and, and for them to somehow be, be turning those sketchy last-minute draws into wins if they're really going to keep the pace with Lille. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And uh, Phil, from from the perspective, like Jess mentioned it there, you know, you look at, I said, we'll come on to the other results. But when you see how the weekend's turned out, is it actually a case that Leon will now look at it and go, okay, yeah, we technically gained a point on PSG and we kept pace with with Leon, but 
actually, if they'd have won this game, then, you know. After the fact, isn't it? Yeah. The thing is, Rouse are on a decent run of form. They've not been, they're unbeaten in five, but a lot of them are draws. But they are kind of obdurate um, and not being, you know, they're not, they, they are very, they are difficult to beat at the moment. And therefore, I think when I saw it was a 92nd minute, it's like, that's a bit of an escape. So I don't think that the results of the rest of the weekend should make Lyon less concerned about how that nearly panned out. It's very easy to say now, well, uh, we did as good as everybody else. They should possibly have done better, and therefore that's something that they they do need to to bear in mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agreed. Sticking with you, then we uh, we saw on on Sunday the opportunity for Monaco and Lille to respond and potentially gain ground on the leaders, and this one ended nil nil. With some Benyeda having a goal ruled out for offside correctly, Again, and then I Mike Manuel. I have to apologise. I have to apologise. Like I said, we said in last week's part that this would probably be a fun game, and I joked that I jinxed it, and it would be nil nil. I really wish I put money on that now. Um, Mexican standoff this game. Yeah, we had uh, kind of on twenty minutes uh, a Benyeda. Goals ruled out by far. And if you look at, keep does the poll for who are the top performers. And uh, Mignon got the man of the match award from Lequipe on about 10,000 votes with 60%. Uh, he did brilliant. really keep, keep uh, Lille in the game. And funnily enough, the second highest was Lecomte. Um, who also did some some good work. So there were shots taken, there were chances. It wasn't like some of the other games where there's nothing you can see becoming a goal, but it was very much people not being able to make that final cutting move. And I admit I did turn over to watch a certain other game that was happening at the same time. So, yeah. And then, because Lyon had drawn, drawn and that was a draw, I was thinking, oh, Christ, here we go. But no. No. It was, it, uh, for me, that, 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 that save at the end was, for those who haven't seen it, Mike Magnon sort of spreading himself at uh, Stevan Jovetic's feet in, well into the 92nd minute. It would have been a you know, decisive. It, it, it felt like one of those saves that, that potentially either keeps teams in a title race or wins teams a title. It was that big a save. And you actually look at it in reflection, he just comes out and spreads himself very well. But it, it was the timing, the moment, mm. the, just just everything about it. And uh, yeah, I, I think I, I, I think this is the first game I've watched where I've looked at Lille and gone, oh, I don't know. Like, you know, they, they just looked a little bit, not even physically tired, just a bit mentally tired. The return of Burak is a, is a big boost for them, but... I'm, they, I'm slightly concerned they, about the rest of the forwards. They've only conceded 17 in 29 mm. matches. That's not the issue, though, is it? That, that that's, This is my concern. They're, no, they're good they've at the only back, scored but... 49, and exactly. that is... 
that it's not it's not enough. I think you know Ware has, has has been performing pretty well, but but isn't sort of regular. Jonathan David has only recently sort of hit form and has, has gone quiet again. Bamba's form has has dramatically dropped. I think he's key, and and we say Burak is going to take a few weeks to get back up to speed. So um, it'll be tough, I think, to say. But you know, uh, two, two teams that didn't want to lose, neither team lost. That's what the other way of looking at it. Yep, and but, Leo um, are still top. Absolutely. And the reason they are still top, seamlessly done there, uh, mm. was because PSG uh, surprisingly lost at home to Nantes. Now, uh, Jess, before I ask the the big question, which I, I will of PSG, for those who don't know, there was a, a kind of um, an incident surrounding this game where both Marquinhos and Angel Di Maria, apparently their, their partners or their families were essentially held hostage in their own home by a home invasion, by robberies. It was completely bizarre during the game where you saw Leonardo uh, speaking to the team manager, who then spoke to Pochettino. There were substitutions made. It, it seemed like PSG completely switched off during this point where they had gone in front from Julian Draxler, uh, equalised um, fr- from Nantes. Actually, a really good finish from from uh, Conor Morani after Mbappe had, had sort of just mindlessly given the ball away in a dangerous area. Uh, Moses, Daddy Simon, the man with the best name in the world, um, getting the winner just on side. And, and it was a, a massive result for Nantes. We shouldn't take anything away from them. But my question to you, Jez, is do, do you give PSG not an out? It's the wrong expression. But given the circumstances, do you sort of feel that that's... Uh, I don't want to use the word excuse, but you, you see where I'm going with this. You know, do, do you sort of give this as extenuating circumstances behind this defeat? Put it that way. It's all gone quiet. Hello, hello, hello. What's happening? I can't hear anybody. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> were, you, were you on mute there, Jess? I was on mute. <laughs> this is a very much a Zoom thing. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Right. Let's try um, again. <laughs> yeah. But you uh, all left me. Okay, so absolutely not. Um, no excuse whatsoever. The play, apparently, first of all, the players didn't know about it till after the match. Um, secondly, this is absolutely not condoning what's happening, but it's been happening at Marseille for ages. It's been happening recently with PSG for, for some reason that burglar players' houses are being sort of ransacked or whatever d- during matches. It's a disgrace. Um, and I get that it's sort of worse at the moment because of lockdown, because there's more likely to be people at home. But no, it's absolutely n- n- like nothing to do with the football. And and. Yeah, one has nothing to do with the other, and and I haven't. To be fair, I haven't seen anyone try to use that as an excuse, but I'd be shocked if they did. Yeah, yeah I, I think as Jess said, I mean, um, this was a problem at Marseille for many years. It's in a sense, it's how Hilton ended up at Montpellier after his family himself were held at gunpoint in their own home. Um, and he was like, fuck this, I'm leaving. Uh, 
so it is a horrible thing and it but it's very much if you know the player isn't going to be there because they're going to be on the football pitch and it seems to be not considered there might be other people there and you know so it's horrible uh, to yeah. think about and something that obviously if this has started happening again it's been a lull over the past couple of years it's something that really needs to be looked at but uh uh, it seems like Di Maria was was taken off to go to be with his family, which seems to be completely reasonable. Yeah, he um, left the left the ground straight away after being substituted. Apparently, it was sort of straight down the tunnel, and you know, I've heard a few sort of people say that it, it will distract players on the pitch. I, I think, I think how I see, it, I, I think I'm with both of you. I don't think it's an excuse. The only thing I would say is if that if this sort of thing happens at the kind of parks level which is the only experience i've got of course but you i think as a player you 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 do get distracted i mean i've had a few bust ups with players where you know you've substituted a player and he's thrown his toys out the pram and as i say this is park level football it's not professional i, I completely accept that but if you're having a bit of a ding dong with a player you know or a, a you know Obviously, in this situation, it's not a ding dong, but a similar situation. It does take the focus from the players off the pitch in terms of they're looking at going, oh, what's going on there? And it's a little bit looking over the hedge at, at your next door neighbour's situation. So I can kind of see how that is is a reason. But for me, that doesn't excuse Kylian Mbappe playing a blind pass in the middle of his own half to the middle of nowhere. The equaliser was before the substitution anyway, wasn't it? Was it just before? Okay, because I think there was discussion that it was ongoing and that's what led to them switching off. I mean, I don't know whether that's well, accurate. That's, uh, I think these are two very, very different situations we're talking about. I mean, obviously, the next game PSG have, it would be reasonable that the players are worried. Mm. And that is a, a completely reasonable thing to do as an individual. Yeah. That has to be, I think, entirely separate from what happened on the pitch, as Jess said. We're talking about Nantes, who aren't very good with 26% possession winning at the Parc des Princes. That's, that's not something that can be explained away, No, I think, very easily. And they deserved it. I mean, you know, second half alone, I thought not really good. Convoire sort of stumbled across this back three. Uh, their, their two forwards were lively throughout. Uh, their substitutions were, were, were well-timed. And Also, if they're going to be try to be even-handed and give PSG the benefit of the doubt, how about mentioning the penalty that Nantes should have had? Absolutely. I mean, that I, I cannot, for the life of me, I mean, I, I've seen a few VAR decisions in England this year that have made me shake my head, but that one... I mean, I've, I just, I don't know what they're watching. I just, it was the most so, and, and credit to Nantes because that's the sort of decision that, that can send your players up the wall who just start mm. lunging into tackles and going off off the deep end, you know, because of the sort of, you know, the or feeling of not being given what they deserve. So, you know, fair, fair play to them. I don't want to take anything away from them, but I do have to ask the big question. And I'll ask you both this because I'm intrigued. Um, I'll start with you, Jez. My question to you is, have PSG under Pochettino played well other than in the new camp straightforward as that no I don't think they particularly have but I don't I'm not necessarily going to say that's Pochettino's fault no um, 
I think you've got to give him a summer to work to work with the team before you can judge him on anything. But no, I don't. I don't think they're playing well. But as I've said several times, I don't think it's a particularly stellar squad, and they are being pushed a lot this year to give them the benefit of the doubt. So you know, they they said that before the match, our Pochettino's kind of um, not revolving. What's the word? Rotating his Rota- squad. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, he's rotating squad, but he's spinning around. He's <laughs> just on the touchline. Yeah. You've still got Navas, Marquinhos, Verratti, Mbappe starting, and they're the crucial players, and also the players that ideally you'd want to to be giving a little bit of a breather. Um, Mbappe's form is bizarre because he's you know he's top scorer. He scored that hat trick against Barcelona. He was also horrific against Monaco. Massive mistake yesterday. Um, I th- I do think arguably he is running on fumes. Verratti mm. is probably not entirely fit yet, is still being relied on to provide all the creativity in midfield because I just think mostly average be. stuff around him. Draxler sort of played his way back into the first team reckoning, but then in the last couple of matches is sort of. Um, gone back into his shell despite the goal yesterday even Marquinhos had a bit of a mare yesterday so I mean you can say on one side well that's the coach's fault as well because he's not getting the best out of his players but um and I'm you know I'm not here to to entirely defend PSG because obviously they still got by far the strongest squad but I do think this year there are sort of mitigating circumstances and and it is um and they have a hell of a week coming up. Yeah, but again, they they still. All that said, they were playing Nantes at home. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the key. Yeah, the p- possessions. I think not massively relevant. I think we're seeing that more what you do with it. everywhere. Yeah, but that, that. But that's my point. We've got a situation where you've got five shots on target each side. PSG had three times the opportunity to do something. We're actually just much more efficient with the the small amount of the ball they had. They did something with it. And that's something I think we've seen PSG struggle with a bit. If they're used to having the ball all the time, they're like, oh, it doesn't, we don't have to do it now. We can do it in the next 10 minutes. This is how they'll get the teams playing against them. Are like, this is our chance. We have to do something with this now. And that makes for a much more, if you actually kind of take that in both hands and embrace it gives you a much more kind of direct approach, maybe. Because, I mean, they, they, they've lost, was it, they lost at home, was it four four times, maybe five times now? That, and they should have lost to Mets, let's not forget. Um, my, the, 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 th- the two things that stood out for me about this performance last night, again, you know, looking back on it, and I've watched the highlights since, having watched the live game at the time, uh, Kylian Mbappe is... is, is having sort of this weird spell where, you know, he's, a, he's an absolute beast in, in Europe and, and is, you know, blowing every everything away and, and looks fantastic. And yet in the league, I thought he was a massive problem last night in the fact that he was the designated centre forward and 
spent his entire time drifting left, which for me is probably his best best position anyway. You have Mario Cardi on the bench for no apparent reason, especially when Moise Ken is out injured. Uh, as just said, you know, giving the chance to Draxler and players like that. You know, Julian Draxler is still a talented footballer, but his time for me has come and gone at, at PSG, and, and that's how it needs to be. And then the other problem is you, you've you've got this sort of, uh, as I said at the, the outset, with this question, uh, like you, Jez, I don't think this is a, a potch problem, quote unquote, but I just, I can't remember the last time other than that Barcelona game where you could say PSG turned up, performed brilliantly and blew the opposition away. And they they sort of swaggered into this game, having seen Lille and Monaco and, and Leon all sort of drop points, quote unquote, and just expected to kind of turn up and roll over non and and it, it's not going to happen. And I've seen people say they're tired. I mean, it's the well, same for every other on, team. On Mbappe, squad, you know? Like Joe said, he is the top scorer in the league with 18. Mm. That's four clear of he who will not be named. Mm. Um, obviously, we might say, well, he's Kylian Mbappe. He should be doing better than that. But you can't take away from the fact that he is, you know, just factually speaking, the best striker in the in the league mm. it's it is a strange situation I agree with Jez he does look like he's running on fumes and that what that's why I think this week coming up is going to be extremely interesting because mm. does Pochettino for example take the decision I will not play him I, I will give to. him a rest I think he has to. Which uh, game do you pick? I, I just, I just think, I think, yeah. I mean, for those people, people listening who may not know what we're referring to, the Coupe de France uh, game between PSG hosting Lille is what, this coming Wednesday. For me, you know, Coupe de France. I, I don't want to dismiss it, but PSG have been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, worn the T-shirt out, reprinted the T-shirt, and sold it again. They yeah. don't need to be focusing on the Coupe de France. For me, if they lose this game twelve nil, it doesn't matter. If yeah. they go deep in the Champions League and, and secure the league game next weekend is is Lyon. at Lyon, yeah, which you know would be just like PSG to then turn up and blow Lyon away. So and, and that, that's the issue and I have with them. And then they have who? Uh, let me check. Let me check. Live googling as we speak. Uh, they have got. Um, isn't it? Le- isn't it Leo after that again? Yes, it is. Yeah, it is Leo. Yeah. So there are so Leon Leo back to back. So basically you're talking two two PSG wins in those two games, and suddenly the title is in their hands, isn't it? So I mean, and they're as you said, they're away of the group armor against Leon on, on Sunday, and they face Lille at home. And then Strasbourg away and, and St. Etienne at home for those sort of keepy score the next couple of fixtures. So it's it's a big couple of weeks, I think. And and of course. We're again speculating. We don't know who they're going to draw in the Champions League yet. You know, if they get a Real Madrid or a, you know, a Manchester City. I mean, I'm not saying Barcelona are small fry. Of course they're not, but they were so bad in that first leg that that PSG really didn't have to do very much in the second leg, and and obviously you know very nearly threw that away. So I don't know. They're 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 a they're a weird box of frogs at the moment. Pochettino's men. That's the way I'm going to put it. Um, I do want to have a, a little bit of a nudge towards the the bottom end of the of the table before we run down the other results because quite significant results this weekend. I think we're probably all in agreement that Dijon have gone. Um, it's it's a matter of time now. In their what eleven points adrift now, 
at bottom of the I table. Mean, they lost if, to if Bordeaux. Bordeaux at home. were beating them three one with a yeah. brace yeah. from Huang and and a ninetieth minute consolation goal. I think. Yeah, you know you're bad when you're shipping three goals to a Bordeaux side that have lost seven out of the last eight, don't you? I mean, you, yeah. you, you know things are, are not great unless you say Huang Yujo with a, a double there. So I think we're probably in agreement that, that Dijon have gone. But then you've got this little cluster, and I would say up, up to and including Strasbourg and St Etienne, although they are away-ish. But I, I don't, I'm not convinced yet. I mean, if you look at the weekend's results, uh, reading sort of downwards, Strasbourg... Uh, lost to Rennes, 1-0, which sort of sucks them back in. St Etienne got a win over Angers by a goal to nil. Wabi Kazri, the winner there. Oh, that was a bad game. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was there were also two goals chalked off, but that was so low on chances. Yeah, it, really it wasn't, was. a, wasn't a great watch. Uh, Lorient Nice wasn't a bad watch based upon what I saw, which ended in a, in a one-all draw. Lorient coming from behind, so they'll see that very much as a point gained. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see with the level of there. Obviously, we've talked about Nantes and, and the Kumbuare effect for however long that lasts. Very unexpected win for them. And uh, and Neem, we talked about drawing... um, Sorry, we haven't talked about Neem yet. Sorry. Neem drawing the derby with your Montpellier uh, charges there, Phil, with um, with uh, Caribou and Delore and all that went with it. It was one of the most frustrating games I think I had ever seen. Mm. Um, So we had uh, Montpellier, Delore scores ruled out. Two minutes later, Delort scores again and has the time to do a celebration involved in getting a Haribo suite of a crocodile out of his sock or something and eating it before that was ruled out by VAR. Um, at which point, Kone then actually scores for Neem, which makes this look like Delort is going to be made to look like an absolute fool. Um, he did finally get the ball in the net and have it kind of okayed a bit later so that kind of saved his blushes a bit and then three minutes from time there was an absolute shit storm in the box um neem are not going down quietly although i think they were obviously particularly knocked possibly by nantes uh, uh result at psg which put them back down into 19th but they are going for it and uh, one thing I noticed, I hadn't noticed before, Zinedine Ferhat, he runs like Raheem Sterling. You know, the famous football outside. he's trying to dry his nail varnish. He runs like that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, um, he put in the assist for uh, Koenig's goal, which was um, But yes, it was all a little bit chaotic in the derby, but I think Andy Law is going to be pelted with Haribo um, whenever <laughs> this fixture happens again, uh, if uh, fans are let back. But uh, he did uh, put on Twitter there was um, a lot of name fans on obviously taking the piss out of him, and his response was just, okay, maybe next season. Mm. Or he's, not. he's no shrinking <laughs> like, Oh, that was a bit bitchy. He's not one to be uh, to keep his opinions to himself. That that's no. that's for sure. Um, what, what, what do you reckon, Jez? What, where, where do you stand on this relegation battle? I mean, I know we go kind of back and forth on this. We've discussed it in the past, and you know we sort of flip flop between is it just the bottom three slash four that are in the mix? But um, am I being unfair to suggest that Strasbourg and St Etienne still need to look over their shoulders a bit because 
you know, St Etienne's win was, was, was a, a big win for them, but they don't convince me. Strasbourg, I, I always feel like there's enough there, the likes of, of Ajork and, uh, and and Thomason, I think, are sort of good, good enough players to, to pull them through, get the odd result here and there. But do you feel the same or, or, or are you of the opinion that it is one down and then it's any, any three to fill the other two spots? Yeah, I mean, we've seen that Lorient are capable of going on a, on a run with, of sort of reasonable form, um, and a team that can beat PSG away, however they do it, or however much PSG sort of shot themselves in the foot, can't be discounted. But I struggle to see. Um, for me, it's, it's, yeah, three of the bottom four. I, I can't see... I think Saint-Étienne will get at least as many points as those below them. I just can't see Lorient not making up that difference. Mm. What, what if I was to tell you, and, and I'm I'm not suggesting for a minute that this could happen, but what <laughs> what, <laughs> what if I was to tell you that, that Lorient were to beat Nantes this weekend um, because that they are, they are playing each other, so that is... Um, in table terms, that's like 17th against 16th. So, I mean, there's, you know, um, it's going to be tough. Uh, so, sorry, yeah. Um, and then you've got Nîmes against St Etienne. So, if I was to tell you that Lorient, I mean, to be fair, Lorient or Nantes were to win that game and Nîmes were to beat St Etienne. Uh, sorry, St Etienne have got Monaco first, I should should say, but in two weeks' time. If that was the case then, because you, you, would, you would suspect that Monaco will go to St Etienne with the idea that they can win that game. So we're talking two weeks down the line and St. Asien have lost two more games. Would would you change your opinion then? Or do you do you still do you still feel that there's there's just too much, yeah, you know, the old famous cliche, too good to go down type of situation for St. Etienne? Uh, there's lots of it's yeah. I mean, like I said, it, it's definitely possible because I can see Lorient getting points. Although, you know, the last three, four games they've played well without getting points that they've necessarily deserved. Saint-Étienne, it feels like recently they have learned to, to eke out those results, even doing it in a, in a sort of ugly way. So, no, it's, it's, it's doable. I just don't think it's going to happen. Like mm-hmm. I said, you know, non Lorient might catch up a couple of points this week, but Saint-Étienne might pick them up somewhere else a, a week later. Yeah. You know, yeah. The following week, like you said, it's Nîmes Saint-Étienne. Um, you know, it could go either way. Nîmes as well, I think, on their day, are capable of beating most other teams. But um, someone's, right. got to, someone's got to find a run of form and do it for two, three, four weeks on the trot. Mm. Yeah, you, you are right. I am doing and a, bit, a little five, bit of spots, maybe. There is but... a five-point gap between the bottom four and Saint-Étienne and Strasbourg. Mm. And two wins, though. It doesn't sound like much, but when they're averaging so few points a game mm. then actually that is a problem and it's just as things go up and down so they're going to play monaco at the weekend mm. i'm not going to make any prediction about that on the grounds of having screwed this up so many times in the past but you can't see that ending well mm. no i see monaco bouncing back comfortably to be honest in that game i just do i so think do you then see lorient um I, I think Lorient it's will up and they, it's it's all very much what's that going, all of our dull song, you know, uh, one step forward, two steps back. I'm going out on a limb here, but I I think Lorient have got all the tools needed to, to take Nantes apart in terms of the pace on the break. I think they can hurt 
non, in, an, in an away fixture. And I also think that Monaco, to, to be perfectly honest, I think Monaco will wipe the floor with St Etienne because I just don't see how that St Etienne side withstand a, a Monaco side that will be desperate to get back on track and have got so many offensive and, and, and pacey options. Personally, that's just how I see it. Maybe Strasbourg is the one we should be looking at because they host Lons. Don't have uh, Mike Magnon and go. And and uh, follow the following two fixtures after that Bordeaux away, which okay, you know Bordeaux are no great shakes, of course, but away from home, Strasbourg far from convincing, and then the following week they they uh, they host PSG, and for that matter they they then got Nîmes and and, Stra- and uh, Nantes in the next two weeks, so maybe it's Strasbourg that that could could drop down. It's it's, so it's intriguing. What we're actually saying, Chris, do you want us to say that, that we both think Laurie are going to stay up? That, Absolutely. That, 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 that's where I'm angling this. And eventually you've got that. <laughs> your happy place. No, I, 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 I no, my, my concern with Laurie on, and I try and keep this as, as unbiased as I can, is I think you've said it before, Jez. I think you've said it as well, Phil. Lorient will always score goals, but my concern with them is that they are very much liable to concede goals as well. And, and the, the uh-huh. problem... The problem I can see with, with, with Lorient is that they're one or two injuries away from players that are not really good enough at this level that has been proven, I think. Um, you know, I, I look at the likes of Gerbich, who was brought in for big money, just hasn't really done it. Um, the goalkeeping situation is still a little bit up and down in terms of is it Dreyer, is it Nardi, is it neither? Um, you know, the, the partnership at centre-back is rocky, to say the least. So, And, and like you said earlier on, Neem putting in these performances you, you least expect it and they get a point in in a game they probably don't deserve so I'm, I don't know I, I'm I would love I would love to see Laurent get a couple of wins uh, naturally but Obviously. Yeah. but our point here is there is still a race at the top Absolutely. and there is still uncertainty at the bottom yeah. isn't this brilliant yeah but that's and that's the great thing. I think this is the um, that that is the, this is the for me the most entertaining league in Europe at the moment in terms of what's happening at both ends. So uh, long may it continue. Um, you also okay. mentioned in the middle because I know Jez has been dying to talk. Yes, about uh, Lons two, Mets two. Uh, happy Jez. I mean, you were you were you were behind twice and you came out with a point. So um, small 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 bonuses in this one. Yeah, very happy. We got um, we had six first teamers out. Had like a left back playing right back. We had a centre forward who struggles to score goals. Um, yeah, two of our starting defence not playing. Um, obviously, our main goalkeeper out. Um, obviously, our main goal scorer has been out since August or September. So. Um, to to draw away and to come from behind against mm. um, the fifth place team, I think is very good. And obviously, the fact that it's lost is is even more enjoyable. Mm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was a very entertaining like the battle for for fifth. It was a, a really good, really good watch and fair uh, play to to uh, Mets for for battling back. I think the only other result we haven't mentioned. Um, in fact, I, I think you wanted to to just briefly talk about the, the changes at Marseille, Jez. They won 3-1 against, against Brest uh, in, a, in a pretty sort of entertaining second half in particular. Milik had put Marseille in front. Brazier had equalised for St Etienne before two late goals from Tovan and, and Cuisance with a lovely finish to wrap it up at 3-1. The, um, 
the the building blocks are, are there, aren't they? In terms of the the new look, Marseille. <coughs> Um, or, or should we say the new coaching mentality of Marseille? I don't know, maybe that's the way of putting it. I guess the, the question I would ask you is, uh, not are you convinced, because I think that would be unfair, because I think we're all going to say, let's give it some time. But Sampaoli, do you, do you get the impression that he is putting the building blocks in place to do some major surgery over the summer? Have you been sort of cautiously optimistic that the that, that Marseille that he could have at his disposal is, is starting to show through? Um, I think it's hard to say what Marseille will have at its disposal because I think there'll be big changes in the summer. I think it's, it's, it looks very, very likely that, for example, Mondanda and, and Payet will leave. Um, Tovan's already said he wants to leave. Camera, you've got to think that at some point someone will come in with an offer that they can't refuse. So I, I don't think there's going to be... Um, I think there's going to be quite a few changes between now and next season. Um, look, he's, a, he's obviously a decent coach. I don't think you can... There's two ways of looking at his, the two matches he's coached so far. You know, they, they've still struggled to, to get those wins, but they have got those wins and they've got them late. And this is a team that seemed to have lost all sense of character and, and fight. So to have scored, I think it's three goals... Um, you know, 88, 88, 92. Yeah, exactly. And sure you've also got, for example, is it Luis Enrique who's, who's um, I think three assists possibly in those matches. So, um, there are positive signs there. We'll have to wait and see whether that's just a, a new manager bounce or, or more players suddenly playing for their places or there's more to it, but um. You know, even if it is just finishing off the season um, on a bit of a high, and they can still qualify for Europe quite yeah, easily, yeah. um, then then at least it gives them something to work from next year. But as often is the case in Marseille, and certainly the last couple of years, I think arguably it's more important what happens sort of off the pitch than than on it during the summer in order to, to have a better idea of um, what San Paoli can do and what he's got to work with next year. Yeah, I mean the the president coming after Errol uh, got the boot. The president coming out, McCourt coming out and saying, "I've met with all of the fan groups," and he named them all, but he missed one out, which yeah. then kicked off uh, a lot of um, concern about whether the Yankees are going to be let back in and stuff. I think Marseille is such a specific club that there are so many different things you have to think about that trying to do PR on on kind of Marseille is almost impossible because you are always going to offend somebody and you're yeah. always going to fuck something up if you are not kind of you know proper local our kind of person, which clearly they aren't. So it's a, still a very interesting situation, but Marseille and Lance are both on 45 points, just outside the top four. You've got Metz on 42, Ren and Montpellier on 41. There is still that battle for Europe going on, as well as the top four, the bottom. Oh, it's, it's still brilliant. I do love it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the I think the best thing for Marseille, to, or best thing that could happen to Marseille this season, is a strong finish and potentially Europa League spot. Yeah. And although that's going to increase their games, I think going, I think fluking it into the Champions League, which is very unlikely, let's be honest, at this stage. But I think that would put too much unnecessary pressure on. Whereas if they sort of backdoored into the Europa League or even the this Europa Conference, whatever it's called, um, it would give them at least European football but potentially a competition they could go deep into and, and it would give them an opportunity to expand the squad with a bit of extra cash and and who knows. And Sao Paulo is, is, is a very, you know, he's a very talented coach. Whether he's the right fit, time will tell. And we all know that Marseille are, you know, literally one incident away from being a clown car every five minutes. But unpopular opinion, I'd, I'd like to see them, uh, you know, back to, to where um, they're challenging for the title because, frankly, the more title challenges, the better. So um, I guess we'll we'll just sit back and and watch watch the fires burn in in the nicest possible way and see what happens under <laughs> under the Chilean. But um, yeah, there you go. Okay, well that was um, the weekend that was in Liga. We've got a couple of bits and bobs we want to address in a mo, which we'll do before we go. But um, just before we do we do do that, we'll uh, we'll have a look ahead to the the upcoming weekend's fixtures. We have mentioned a couple of them already, but Saint Etienne Monaco is the Friday night game, which uh, I shall be tuning into. We've got uh, Mets against Rennes. That'll be one for your eyes, Jez, on the Saturday. That's the early game. Uh, nice against Marseille is the is the 4 p.m. UK kickoff in the afternoon. That also might be worth a look. You've got Strasbourg against Lons, as you mentioned earlier on. Big game that for, for Strasbourg in particular. Uh, Brest against Angers. Uh, these are the two o'clock games on Sunday, by the way. Dijon against Reims. Montpellier against Bordeaux. And that big one for Lorient away at Nantes. And then you've got the two evening games. Uh, Lille host Nîmes, which you'd think Lille would want to be getting back on track there to put the pressure on both Olympic Lyonnais and Paris Saint-Germain, who meet on the uh, clearly the blockbuster fixture on the Sunday night. Uh, rather than asking you for a fixture that whets your appetite, because I think there's a few there, um, I'll simply ask you, who do you think will be top of the table by the end of these fixtures? <laughs> Uh, and do you agree with each other? I guess is, is another way of putting it. Well, uh, I'm, I'm putting my my I'm nailing my colours to the mass and saying PSG. Unfortunately, I just I say unfortunately that's me, but I think they I think they beat Leon personally. But then, if Leo win, they're still top. Yeah, Leo are playing Nîmes. I don't know why, but I've got this strange feeling that they aren't winning that game. I don't know why, because everything suggests they should, but I could just see this being a, you know, Neem score early and hang on for a draw type of situation. Yeah, I see Neem getting red cards and Lille winning 1-0. I don't know. I still think. Um, I'm also, uh, just to mention... Leon PSG is a big game in the other championship, which is Devon, uh, for the women, where PSG are top. And PSG in women's football in France constitute an underdog. Uh, but their game was supposed to happen the weekend. It's been postponed because of COVID at PSG. So despite the fact that they are both in great shapes in the Champions League. We could have a situation where the key game for the Divan title has to be at the end of the season because there's nowhere else to put it. So it could be OLPSG as the last game of the season. 
all would, would be. But that will be so much more interesting than the men. It will. This, trust me. Even over the title race? Bold call. Bold call. Um, oh, come oh, on. Leon PSG this weekend is going to be a 1-1 draw or PSG win 2-1. It's not going to be that big. OL PSG in Devon is going to be huge. Yeah, and uh, I, I think I think there's an argument to have. I, I just, uh, I, I think I think if you've got the time, maybe follow both because I, I have this again. I don't know why. I just have this sort of feeling in the back of my mind that something um, might happen that's a little bit nuts this week. Um, as I say, I mean, you know, time will tell. It, well, who, I'm, who knows? I'm, I'm not calling anything after last week's. Probably. No, no, that's that's a fair point. Yeah, yes. let's not let's not jinx tell, it. Tell me what to bet on, Jess. Yeah, well, what's where's your focus, Jess, in this particular week? Well, I expect Lille to still be top. Um, okay. <clears throat> I think. I mean, even if they draw against Nîmes, they'll still be top. Um, obviously, the ideal for them would be a win. No, they wouldn't it's... because of goal difference. So we so well, they would because if they drew they'd be four ahead. So whatever happened. Oh fuck yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah, they got that extra point ahead. Yeah. Oh, maths is hard. So you you think I'm a bit bonkers as well then, just for thinking that they might take something in Leo. Look, non BPSG this weekend. <laughs> yeah, so. that's kind of that's kind of the rationale I'm going with here. That's kind of where I'm where I'm going with this. So um, it can happen, but yeah. I think it's more likely Leon beat PSG than Nim beat Leo. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fair, fair, fair comment, fair comment. I, I guess I guess we'll see. We'll certainly have things to... I mean, as, uh, as a neutral, I guess the ideal is Nîmes lose and Lyon win. Well, no, because Lyon PSG are level, aren't they? So yeah. I was going to say then uh, they would be level on top, but they wouldn't be. Yeah, it's it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? And, and there's there's so much going on, both top and the bottom. It's hard to know um, sort of which, which <laughs> to watch first. So I think I'll just be glued to all the games. Um yeah, there's this weekend. But I, as I say, I, I could be completely bonkers. And if I am, I will hold my hands up when Leo scores seven and I look like an absolute fool. But I guess we will see. Um, before we go, Jez, I also wanted to pick up with you. Um, you wanted to just give a nod to the French under 21 squad, uh, which has been announced today. I will read it to you and to our listeners because I've got it in front of me here. Um, Bartola Font, Meslier are the goalkeepers, Badia Chile, Dagba Fofana, Kalulu, Konate, Kunde, Mawasa, and Trufair are the defenders. Uh, Hussam Awa, an interesting pick for the U21s, Kamavinga. Roman Favre, interesting there. Uh, Captain Matteo Ganduzi, uh, Kamara of Marseille, Sumare Shuameni of Monaco, with the forwards Musa Diaby from Leverkusen and Sonodwad of Celtic. Uh, the um, uh, Liga 3 make up the rest with Guiri Ikone, who's also had a first team call up, of course, and uh, Kola Muani. Um, you just wanted to mention that in passing, in terms of it. it's quite an exciting squad, isn't it, that, that's been announced by Ripoll? It's a superb squad, but um, you know most of the squads that under twenty one squad that France has put out for the last few years have been very good. The problem is that they've rarely sort of played well as a team. In the Euro a couple of years ago, they really flattered to deceive. So it remains to be seen like how how well they play. But on paper, they're not the only ones. You know, Spain have obviously got a good squad. England, Portugal, there's some very good under twenty one squads. But in terms of quality and also top flight experience 
France have got to be right up there. And even if you look at some of the players who miss out, I mean, obviously, Ran Adelaide is injured. Zupamecano could have been in the squad. Um, if you if your name's Maxence, you're not coming in because personally, I'd have had Lacroix and Kakare in my squad. But Lacroix, definitely. Them are there. Brilliant um, in Germany, yeah, I agree with you there. So, yeah, re- really strong squad and it should be a good tournament, which unfortunately, I, I think it's this month, weirdly, mm. because of the obvious. So it doesn't necessarily, obviously it means that these players won't be in the full France squad, which Deschamps will be announcing on Thursday for, I think it's World Cup qualifiers, but yeah, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that none of them will be in, in the summer Euro squad, but at the same time, I mean, that's another incentive. It's a very good chance for certain players to, to break through. I mean, you mentioned Awa. I still think he is extremely overrated. Um, not when he plays well, but most of the time, I don't think he does. There was even an article in, in Lekeep about it this week, about how there's still no consistency there, however many years after he broke through. Um, I personally would still not have him in my full France squad, but have a good tournament here, and he pretty much probably seals his place in that squad for the summer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really big incentives for a lot of players there. And I just hope, even though for me, I under 21 is still to prepare these players and to allow them to make mistakes in readiness for the full squad. And I'm not so bothered how they do in this as long as the, the full squad does well and benefits from the good and the bad that, that sort of comes through from it. It would be nice to see this extremely talented squad actually do something special um, at this level for once. Yeah, yeah, I'm quite like it, it's it's just on paper it looks exciting, doesn't it? And like you said, you mentioned sort of Awar and Inikone, we've briefly seen it at, at senior level. It's just, it's just a lot of young talent. The one, the one I was disappointed about as well, and Kamavinga, of course, yeah, absolutely. And and I think this is probably the level he should be at yeah, at the moment. I think he's you know his, his season has been a little bit uh, underwhelming in recent weeks. So I think a trip down to the under twenty ones wouldn't hurt him. The the one I am disappointed about exactly as you said is is uh, Max Holtz-Lacroix, who I think is has been brilliant in, uh, in in Germany for Wolfsburg. And I think he's definitely one to uh, to keep a close eye on. So, yes, uh, good stuff. Good stuff. I wanted to, to briefly mention that. Um, OK, I think we have uh, pretty much covered everything that we set out to achieve in this particular pod. We will, of course, keep you abreast of the full squad, which, as Joe said, is, is announced on Thursday. International break is in a week's time, isn't it? After the next after next weekend, am I right in saying? Or have I just invented? I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one on the horizon. So uh, we'll be looking out for those squads. And, um, and obviously then Liga will be in its final furlong as to who potentially wins the title race. Uh, right then, um, Phil, I'm going to do something a bit unusual today um yeah i'm I'm gonna throw surprise me chris you know i don't like surprises oh it's nothing bad i'm just going to ask the listeners if they wanted to tweet you or the podcast um how can they do that there's a reason i'm bringing this up which i'll come on to well um i would advise you not to use the word hmm (laughs) <laughs> yes of, is that is that the, the first word? the first name of mr depay who plays for leon because the twitter hamsters who seem to run their reporting algorithm seem to have 
dealing with some kind of dirty protest at the moment and everybody over the weekend who was actually typing out the first name of the uh, dynamic attacker from Lyon uh, was getting uh, messages saying they had shared public personal information and were having their accounts locked for 12 hours. So not don't ideal. do that. <laughs> God no. knows what's fucking happening um, behind the scenes in, in Twitter dev world, but uh, you're back, so yes. something's working. Well, that was that was a, a little bit of a, a little nudge to let people know that, but uh, <laughs> but yes, um, but yeah, if, if people want, do you do you want to give out the podcast uh, at because um, people can ask us questions. They oh, often feel we, we to, are but... at um, we are at oh god, uh, French FT Weekly. I love that you had to double check that because I do it. Well, because I, do it all the time. I, <laughs> I always forget which bit Gib shortened. <laughs> Whether it was the French or the football or the weekly, but it's a French FT weekly. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, um, respond. Obviously, we're going to tweet out the links to the pod, etc. So you can just respond. And yes, and we will uh, come back to you. And now Chris is back, so you can yes just tweet him randomly as well. You can you can. You can tweet me, All or you can tweet just. Um, oh, I'm 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 sure no, but nobody will have any interest in that. But I will certainly <laughs> be back on my my tweeting of of League and Games at the weekend. And uh, Jess, why don't you plug yourself before we go as well? Because um, you write some fantastic stuff, which goes vastly underappreciated by the the masses, if I may say so. So, please feel free to take the stage and just uh, let people know where they can find you, should they wish to do so. You can find me on Twitter at Jeremy Smith ninety eight. There you go. Succinct. I'm currently working on an article. That number. <laughs> I'm currently working on an article involving French football and Bob Marley. Now, if that doesn't sell it for you, boys and girls, literally nothing will. Um, even I'm intrigued to know what on earth. I'm hoping this is. Are we talking an Ajax connection here, or am I reading into that too much? No. No, damn it. Okay. There you go, listeners. Uh, if you want to find out what that's about, you better be getting following Jez and, uh, and, and badgering him to find out what that is about. But yes, um, I think it's fair to say, Jez, you, you write some excellent stuff. So um, it's only fair that you, you get a little bit of say. So, Right, enough patting each other on the back. Uh, we've got lives to deal with, as I'm sure you do, listener, as well. So uh, if you do like what we do, um, you can actually rate and review via the various uh, medias we put out on. Uh, one being SoundCloud Acast. and Acast. There you go. So uh, yeah, if you if you want to leave us a little review, um, and you want to get your name read out on the podcast, do so, and we'll do the same back for you. But no, it does help us in the old algorithm. So yeah, if you want to give us a review, please do. If you don't, no worries, we'll still be here regardless, and be here we will next week to evaluate the ever-changing world at both the top and bottom of French football. So until then, it uh, just remains for me to thank both Phil and Jez for their time. Thank you both for this evening. Thank you. And until then, uh, get comfy in your favourite armchair. Enjoy your French football this weekend and we'll speak to you very soon. Bye.